Welcome to C-Speak, the language of executives, supported by PNC. I'm Jim Hohen, Regional President of PNC Bank in Central Pennsylvania. Each podcast in this series features local and regional C-level executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge-sharing platform provides insights on forward-thinking business approaches that encourage leaders to think differently. We at PNC are proud to support this initiative. Here is your host for C-Speak, Sharon Ryan. Thank you, Jim, and thanks to everyone for joining us for this episode of C-Speak, the language of executives supported by PNC. Our conversation today is with Michelle Buck, Chairman, President, and CEO of the Hershey Company, and we're talking about one of my absolute favorite subjects that all visionaries and change agents will absolutely love. We're talking about what can be achieved when you see disruption as opportunity. Hello, Michelle. It's good to have you. Hi. I'm thrilled to be here. And it's great that we're both Shippensburg University alums who love business and we get to hang out. So I can't think of anything more fun to do today. (laughs) So you were the subject of an article in Forbes magazine. And in that article, they first referred to you as a positive disruptor. So what's disruption? You know, I think disruption, um, I think there are two types of disruption. First of all, there are macro disruptions things that happen in the marketplace, the external marketplace around us that we need to look at and decide how we're going to respond to. And then I think there are also more micro or internal disruptions. And those are looking at everything that you're doing and deciding how you can think differently, how you can challenge the status quo to potentially seize an opportunity to do something differently and better than you ever have before. And I think both of them are really important in terms of creating opportunity. Many times people look at the macro disruptions as bad things, as risks that need to be managed. And I think the silver lining is to look at them as potential to unleash new opportunity. Right. I think that's we and that we think about when we think about outside, we think about COVID, for example, what COVID would be a macro Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And that was a great example of, you know, when COVID hit, you know, we certainly took a lot of steps as a company to manage that risk. You know, we prioritized the safety, the well-being of our employees first and foremost, but we also took a step back and said, okay, what's going on related to COVID in terms of consumer behavior and how can we pivot to delight consumers and to give them comfort during this very difficult time? And it was really an opportunity to, to seize that moment, to think differently about what we were doing to capture opportunity. And I think a lot of businesses lost momentum from COVID. They, it just sort of, they just, everything that was moving forward went, stopped. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I think for us, we actually created momentum. So, um, you know, we certainly tackled all the challenges in terms of how do we implement safety procedures in our manufacturing facilities, et cetera. But we had a couple of pivotal moments where we had to make big decisions. So when COVID hit in March and the government was advising uh, consumers not to go shopping in grocery stores, not to go out, everything was shutting down, restaurants, we had to decide how much Halloween product to make. <laughs> and, you know, at that time, who knew? Would there be trick or treat? Um And um, we had two options, play it safe, you know, don't produce, assume it's not going to happen, or go out and talk to consumers. And what we heard was, you know, 
at that point in time, boy, they were hoping there was going to be some degree of normalcy when Halloween came. And we decided to lean in. We created the opportunity. We worked with governments to come up with safe trick-or-treating recommendations. Um, and consumers got creative. They found all these new ways to, you know, to do trick-or-treat, whether it was sending candy down a chute to trick-or-treaters <laughs> so they didn't have to touch it. Um and so we leaned in and produced product, and we had a banner Halloween last year, believe it or not. Now, is that an example how how macro flows into micro? Because you were looking at the outside, and then you looked internally to see how you could do it better? Yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. Um, I'd say similarly, you know, we looked at other external trends. Um, you know, we knew that consumers were staying home more, and they were told to be outside and stay with close family and friends. And we started to notice that sales of Hershey chocolate bars, marshmallows, and graham crackers were up in areas with the biggest increases in COVID case counts. Well, that's because people were staying home more. And so we leaned into s'mores, you know, we marketed s'mores more, we made sure they were available in all the consumer, all the stores consumers were shopping in. And so, yeah, I think that marriage of what's going on externally, and then how do you pivot? How do you make sure you're agile? You know, we had to start focusing away from our instant consumable single serve uh, candy bars that people buy when they're out and about to the take home products that people were consuming in their homes, whether it was s'mores or whether it was Twizzlers when they were watching movies. And I, th- I think of here, you you said pivot and I love that word, but I, th- I also heard you say you were listening and you were stretching as part of your yeah, disruption. Absolutely. I think listening is key to understand what's really going on. And what are you seeing on the external market? How do you talk to people to understand what's underneath that? And, you know, how do you then bring that inside and make sure our entire organization is is focused on that? Yeah. Now, somewhat, it seems like people like to give you nicknames because in the Forbes <laughs> article, um, you were referred to as a positive disruptor. And you're also known as the chief provocateur at Hershey because of your skill in this area. So why is disruption such an important characteristic, in your opinion, for a future ready organization? You know, when people ask me what I'm concerned about or what keeps me up at night, you know, the first thing I say is how fast the world is changing around us and how we need to adapt to keep up with that. And so I guess, you know, with a a belief grounded in that, you know, the only logical or natural outcome is, well, you have to constantly be looking at how things are changing and keeping up and keeping pace. And for me, as I look throughout my career, I've always focused on that. And if I look at some of the biggest successes I've seen in business, it's been when you do take the opportunity to disrupt, whether it's responding to external or whether it's creating internal. You know, for example, um, as I came here to Hershey and especially over recent years in my career, I focused on a couple key areas where I thought we had opportunities for disruption. One was in our portfolio. You know, we clearly are a big player in snacking, number one in confection, which makes us has made us the number two player in snacking. But how could we leverage all those capabilities that we had to expand beyond candy to other snack mm-hmm. categories? Um, so that was one area of focus. A second was looking at our geographic footprint and the opportunity to really transform our international business to become much more profitable. And then lastly, looking across our entire business model, 
um, to see where we could do things better, where we could challenge the status quo. In one instance, that was better uh, balancing core products with innovation, adding new tools to our pricing kit. So many different areas. And I think uh, thus the kind of chief provocateur. And I guess I'd say one of our one of our yes, dots, pretzels, of the, yeah, yeah, of the portfolio expansion was the announcement this week that we purchased dots pretzels. I love dots. I love dots pretzels. There, uh, and I'm which, glad which that flavor do you like? I just the like the plain. Yeah, yeah, they have yeah. that buttery crunch, so good stuff. Yeah. And uh, and I know that's kind of a uh, build on your uh, acquisition of Amplify, which for most people they don't know, but it's Skinny Pop, which is also a wonderful product. And these are all in the you call them permissible salt categories, which is healthy yes. snacks. Yes. Permissible snacking, you know, better for you snacking. Certainly popcorn and pretzel are, are the two most permissible within the total salty snack category. And for us, it was really an opportunity. You know, most of our portfolio delivers sweet, indulgent treats. And these permissible salty snacks capture new occasions, mm-hmm. which it was a great way to disrupt our own business to keep driving our core, but at the same time, seize new opportunity and create new muscle um, as we're doing that. Well, I think that's one of my favorite things about disruption is that it's deceiving. You know, when, when an organization is intent on disrupting, um, like Hershey is a, is a huge powerhouse. I mean, right now, I mean, people think of it as like a few products, but it's enormous and it keeps getting bigger and the mo- you can really feel the momentum based on what you're doing with disruption. So it becomes a habit, would you Would you say? Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think it is a muscle that needs built. And I think, you know, I talked about some of our successes during COVID, and I oftentimes wonder if we would have been as prepared to be able to pivot and be agile during that time if we hadn't built the muscle before then. You know, building that muscle memory in advance of that whether it was some of the examples I gave you or, you know, we, we have been focused on building better for you confection and launching, you know, zero sugar uh, versions of our own brands. We bought Lily's, which is a um, you know, reduced sugar confection, but all the things along the way, I think, build the, the, the muscle to allow an organization to be ready to do that. And, and I think importantly, build the culture, which I think is another key enabler that's absolutely critical for disruption. Yeah. And I think with COVID, a lot of people are saying, well, think we won't go back to where we were. Things will never be the same. And it's like, well, if you're disrupting, if that's your approach to the market, things are never going to be the same ever. Yeah, that's exactly right. Around here, we, we tell people, if anybody says, well, when things get back to normal, we're like, wait a second, things are never going back. The yeah. world is changed, right? People are working differently. I mean, who could have ever imagined, you know, a large percent of people working from their homes and now having an intent or a desire to continue that? I mean, who could ever have imagined these changes we're seeing in behavior across the board with COVID? When you get involved in disruption and you want to continue it, how do you enable positive disruption? Like, how do you enable that growth mindset in your organization? Yeah, I think it starts with there needs to be kind of a core cadre of people who can help to create an environment. You know, one or two lone people, I think, struggle to disrupt. And I know in the early days, you know, it can be difficult for an organization of folks who are, you know, take great pride in executing exactly what they've been doing 
to not look at some, you know, very different ideas and say, oh my gosh, like, are we really going to do that? And so one of the powerful things I think is finding people who really have that ability to think disruptively. And one of the things I did was, you know, look across the organization and I identified some key leaders who I had seen demonstrate this behavior and I put them on some of our most important initiatives. And once they got on those initiatives, they started to create energy and momentum behind some really interesting and innovative um, disruptions. And then others, I think, see that. And then we started highlighting every town hall that we have and we bring all of our employees together. We would start showcasing and highlighting examples of great disruption and the positive results that had been encountered. And frankly, what were some of the barriers we ran into during the disruption so that people could see, you know, yeah, those things sometimes can be hard and you may hit obstacles, but there's a way to make it through. Well, and it creates a perception that they can be part of it, which is really pretty neat. You know, the other thing you said, though, is is you made some, you looked around the organization and you identified some people, but what you really did was you put people in a place to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. And that's hard. That's hard to do. Well, it is hard to do. And it was interesting because, um, you know, we, I almost adopted a group of leaders, you know, below my leadership team who my leadership team would interact with. And I think it was good for all of us. I think, you know, it helped, it helps create some of that momentum. It was good for the organization, but yeah, it can be difficult to do because we tend to put people more in boxes of, well, this is this person's job and this is this person's job, but we always know we get the best outcomes when we have a mix of talent on a problem. And, you know, we had spoken to a consulting firm who had shared with us this concept of, you know, there are people in organizations who tend to prefer executing really well. There are people who tend to really like to be disruptive. And there are people called scalers who seem to be able to create the bridge between those two types of of folks. And, It was something we started to really employ, and it made us value each one of them brings something really unique and critical, but we got to get the right blend of them together because otherwise you can risk people just executing, you know, what we always have, kind of not challenging the status quo or people with crazy ideas that aren't grounded. Um, And and some people can do all three of those things, but the power of the team is is really important. And I think creating that culture that allows people to have an equal voice so the executor doesn't take precedence over the visionary and and so forth. So what when you think about culture, what is the ideal culture for a future ready organization? You know, I think culture always has to start with integrity and values and doing the right thing. And here at Hershey, that's been such a critical foundation in our culture. Um, We're so fortunate to have everybody, I would say, in the organization who points in that direction. I think what's necessary even more today than ever before was having some risk-taking capability, um, being able to make shifts and to be agile. So being much more flexible as you go forward and creating that environment where risk-taking is rewarded. It's not always gonna work. Sometimes there will be some risks that don't pan out, but I think that's what's critical to create positive disruption and opportunity, seizing opportunity. Now, when you say risk-taking, do you mean personal risk-taking? 
Yeah, I think it's a blend. I mean, I think I think that business risk taking tends to include somebody who took some personal risk to bring that business opportunity forward. Almost in every example that I can think of. Um, and so, yes, I think I think it's really both. So courage. It's a, it's about being courageous and then thanking people and rewarding that courage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, courageous leadership makes all the difference. And you do have to create the right environment for people to feel safe doing that Mm -hmm. and to know it's going to be okay. And that you have their back, you're you're with them. Mm -hmm. They may have brought forward the change or, or the opportunity. But, you know, if the right group of people are behind them, I think they, you know, they feel confident moving ahead. And then in that culture, say you've created the environment for people to be courageous. Uh, how do you help them find the purpose in being courageous and to take risks? Yeah. Um, you know, purpose is an interesting topic overall. And I would say, you know, purpose is something we believe strongly in, in our culture and our purpose at Hershey is all about making more moments of goodness And that is not only in the smiles that we bring to people's faces when they consume our products. Um, Most of our products are consumed during very emotional, um, there's an emotional bond. Somebody will recall sharing a a Hershey bar with their grandfather or some special meaning behind uh, a season. Or or a bar wrapped in pink or blue. That's yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, kisses used at weddings. Um, I mean, there are so many of those different occasions. So not only do we deliver them in that way, but also, you know, our history as a company and our founder who left the company to fund a school for disadvantaged kids into perpetuity, mm-hmm. left the company to this trust that today a third of our dividends go there. So, so we're overall grounded in purpose. And I think that purpose inspires people to want to make an impact. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a source of their personal courage to come forward because they believe in the good that we can do if they do that and their opportunity succeeds. Yeah. Putting goodness out into the world is a wonderful, wonderful purpose. So when you think about the people on your team and their, their, uh, how they're courageous, they feel purpose-driven, how do you help them to thrive? in that? How do you keep them from getting smashed? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I think it is just positive reinforcement that I appreciate the, the risk taking. I appreciate the courage. I appreciate the perseverance, the grit of, um, of looking at some of the tough problems or challenging the status quo. And, you know, I find if people feel that appreciation, Mm -hmm. It matters more than 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 many you know many rewards that they that they can get is feeling appreciated, feeling valued, and you know by me and by others, right. uh, by other leaders, by their colleagues. What's the best way to learn more about this? I often ask people what they read or or uh, what they'd recommend, but I, I prefer to ask you, how do you learn about this? Yeah, so I would say I'm a very experiential learner, um, and most of my learnings come from interactions that I'll have with colleagues here, or particularly in the industry. I try and connect with a lot of other CEOs 
um, either through CEO groups or one-on-one. And I find there, I'll hear more about the stories of things that have happened in their organizations um, that, you know, create opportunity and perhaps disrupted their businesses, either external or things that they created to challenge their own status quo. So I find that that connecting with others is one of the best ways to learn. It hits me. It come, it's coming to mind. There's a certain amount of humility involved in that, what you just described, to be able to, to not have all the answers. Well, I guess there is. And I would say there's a vulnerability as well. Of yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah. Yep. Um, and maybe that was one of the most surprising things, I think, when I became CEO is, um, you know, one one CEO group I particularly appreciate is one I belong to where each CEO comes to the meeting and shares for 15 minutes, something they think others would find it value in. Mm-hmm. And usually those discussions are them sharing something that either didn't go well, yeah. <laughs> a challenge they're having, or a change they needed to make. And there is some vulnerability in that, but boy, is there tremendous learning. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. That's awesome. I think I'm right with you on that one. And then so with so much going on at the Hershey Company and so many good things going on, maybe it's hard for you to pick, but why do you show up for work every day? You know, at the top of my mind, I love the people at this company. I have so much respect and admiration for their commitment and their passion. It's really an extraordinary place. And I think I feel so fortunate um, to be able to take our company and the brands that consumers love and help lead them into the future. You know, we're a company who's been around for 125 years. How do I make sure that we are set up to be here and to thrive for the next 125 to you know delight consumers, but also to continue the legacy of supporting the school and to provide a great place to work for all of our colleagues. And just so in case some people out there absolutely do not know what you meant by the school, would you mind expanding on that? Yeah, sure. The Milton Hershey School. So our founder, Milton Hershey, um, did not have children. And when he passed away, he left the company in a trust to perpetually fund an orphanage that he had set up for disadvantaged kids. And that school is right here in Hershey, PA. It still exists today. And um, we are you know, a primary source of, of the funding to continue on that legacy. And we're, we're fortunate to have such a great you know, inherent purpose in what we do. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I think, you know, I, I would really, I'm really appreciated that you come here today and talk to us, Michelle. And I would encourage everyone to just read up on what the Hershey Company is doing because it, it, uh, it might not be on the top of your, of the, of the radar of some people, but it's a great example of, of a business in our community that's a global leader and, uh, and just making it all happen. So thank you so much for being here. No, thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of C-Speak, the language of executives supported by PNC. You can find more episodes of C-Speak by going to witf.org slash C-Speak. Thanks again to our guest, Michelle Buck. Really fun to hang out with you. And until next time, I'm Sharon Ryan. Have a disruptive day. Disruptive.